Well, good morning, folks. Let me first bring greetings to you from the church here in the Earlsfield and as well from myself and Grace and the kids. We hope that you're, you're doing well at this time. Uh, before we turn to God's word, uh, I wonder if you could finish this sentence off for me. Remember, remember, of course, it's the, the 5th of November. That time is quickly approaching. Uh, and we're, it's one of the dates uh, that maybe sticks in your mind. There may be other dates that stick in your mind. Hopefully, you know your own birthday. Uh, hopefully, you know the birthday of your spouse, if you have one. And hopefully, you know the birthday of your kids or your anniversary or things like that. There are, there are various dates, aren't there, that, that we remember. You might be someone who knows all the bank holidays. St. George's Day, Valentine's Day. It's one that men classically forget. Um, whether it's Christmas Day, you want to remember that one, the Easter weekend. There's lots of dates that we can remember. You might be very, very good at this. Or you might be like my father, who is very, very bad at this, who actually phoned me to ask me my birthday. He, he should have known that. Uh, but there are folks who are really good with dates, folks who are not so good with dates. Um, but we're not great at remembering. Sure we're not. Uh, as, as humanity... We're definitely not great at remembering. We forget things. No matter how good you are, no matter how good your memory is, there are things that you forget. There's things that I forget. And would you know that God knows that we forget? He knows that as humanity, we are very poor at remembering. And throughout the whole Old Testament, you see different uh, things, different festivals, different feasts. And what are they there for? They're to remind people. They're to remind people of God's goodness. You, you know about the, the Passover. That was to remind them of when the Lord passed over and when he brought them out of, of exile in, in Egypt. There was that. There was, there was physical things to help them remember. There was the, the stones uh, that were set up in, in Joshua and, and they were to set up to remind people as a memorial forever. They were, they were meant to, to force the people to remember. Well, what are these stones here for? Well, let me tell you. They're to help people remember. You had Purim, you had Yom Kippur, the, the Day of Atonement. All of those things were to, to help remember. Why bother remembering? Why bother remembering? Psalm 78 verses 10 and 11 here gives you an example of the nature of the human race. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to his law. They forgot his works and the wonders that he had shown them. Why does God want us to remember? Because we forget. We are really good at forgetting and we are exactly the same as the people of Israel. We have continued on that trait. You know, some people say, well, what relevance does the Bible have today? Well, it has relevance because we're exactly the same, aren't we? We have very poor memories. I want to turn us to 2 Timothy. That's the book we're going to be in today, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to read there. We're going to read uh, from verse 8 to the end of verse 13. From verse 8 to the end of 13. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. 
But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure with him, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. If we are going to live for Jesus, if we are going to be Christians in the UK following him, we need to remember. And I want to just highlight a couple of things that we need to remember. Here's the first one. This should be very, very easy to remember. Let's hope. Uh, we want to remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. It, it almost seems too obvious, doesn't it? Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of, G of David, as preached in my go gospel. Now, why on earth does Paul tell Timothy to remember the very thing which should be core, which should be central to his life and to his ministry, the thing which should be central to our lives. Why does he tell him that? Why bother? You know, is it not implied, Paul? You know, why, why do we need to go over it again? And yet Paul wants to make a point. This is the only part in this letter where he uses Jesus Christ instead of Christ Jesus. The whole way through the, the letter of 2 Timothy, he, he uses uh, Christ Jesus. But here he gets to, he reverses it round. And the, the title is Jesus Christ. And he wants to marry that up with the two points after. So you've got Jesus Christ. Uh, and what he's got, the first word Jesus, to uh, relate to risen from the dead. And then the word Christ to relate to the offspring of David. Why does he do that? Well, he, he, I say he marries it up to force us to remember. He says, he said, look, this is Jesus risen from the dead. What does he want us to remember about the gospel? He wants us to remember the resurrection, to remember that Jesus has been risen from the dead. This is the main thing. He's still risen. He's still, um, he's still alive. Jesus has been risen from the dead. He said he would. And what does that do? It gives us confidence. Remember when Jesus said that he was going to rise from the dead? It gives us confidence because he did. He did. He want, and Paul wants us here to remember the resurrection. You re might remember this chap here. Hopefully there's a, there's a picture up. George W. Bush. And he got up in front of the American people. And what did he say? He said, read my lips. No new taxes. Now, if you're old enough to remember what happened, um, there were new taxes and his, his credibility was gone. He could never get up in, in front of a crowd again and say, read my lips, because they just were not going to believe him. But contrast that with Jesus. Jesus said exactly what he was going to do. He said he was going to rise from the dead. And what did he do? He, he rose from the dead. He, he kept up exactly what he said he would do. There was no sort of doubt that Jesus was the Son of God after that. And of course, if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, well then our faith is in, in vain. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 says that. It, it's worse than that. We're, we're, we're said to be lying about God. That's a, a serious place to be in. But there, what does the resurrection do? It points us to the hope of the gospel. Well, if Christ is risen from the dead, well then we have hope, don't we? If Christ is risen from the dead, 
we have hope. If Christ said that he was going to rise from the dead, he did that, well then we have hope. It gives us hope for the future. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 says this, For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. We hold on to that hope, don't we? We hold on to that hope because we know that Jesus has risen from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus points us to hope. And Paul wants to do it to Timothy and by extension to us to encourage us along the way, to help us to remember that uh, in our minds, the core of the gospel, that Jesus has been risen from the dead and that points us to hope, doesn't it? When it's time to depart this world, we don't do it without hope. We have hope. He is our hope in this life and the next. You might have been singing that song, Christ our hope in life and death. It's not, not what we have here. The resurrection brings us hope. The fact that Jesus has risen from the dead gives us confidence to live for him now. But what about the second part? So we've got Jesus risen from the dead, but we've got Christ linking to the phrase, the offspring of David. And that's to help us remember God's promise, to remember God's promise. It fulfills the, the entire Old Testament, doesn't it? Second Samuel uh, chapter 7, verses 12 to 13. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. The throne of his kingdom forever. This is the, the promise given to, to King David. It wasn't about the reign of, of his sons. It was going to be about the reign of, of God's son. The, the throne forever. This is the apex, if you want, to, where everything hinges uh, for the gospel. And we're reminded that God's promise is fulfilled. God has sent Jesus. God has, his plan of salvation has been worked out through what Christ has done on the cross for us. God's redemptive plan is fulfilled in Christ. It's fulfilled in Christ. He is the king. He is the one who reigns forever. This is the promise. And of course, the outworking of that promise is that we have the forgiveness of sins. We have eternal life. We have sins atoned for through the death of Christ. This is the promise that again points us to hope. The fact that God's plan is fulfilled in Christ. And it has always been God's plan to redeem his people. And we see it being worked out through history. So the fact that Christ is the, the offspring of David, shows us God's plan of redemption, points us to the words that, points us to um, how faithful God has been, points us to the fact that we know that he is going to be faithful, and we'll come to that uh, later on. But here is something for us to remember. Remember the, the, the promise that God has given, and what does that do? That, that gives us hope whenever times of doubt come. I'm sure there's been times where doubt has snuck in you know is it can i can i really believe what the bible says is it, has jesus really saved me and we look back at how faithful god has been we can remember that god has kept his promise that god has fulfilled those things that we have in the old testament and we see a very faithful god uh, and we see the hope that is brought through the fact that well god has promised it god has delivered it and so because of that, we have hope looking forward. We remember the gospel, the two, two parts, that Christ has risen from the dead, but also that Christ is the promised one. 
God keeps his promises. When doubts come, we, we rest on those promises. Some of you may remember the old hymn, uh, resting on the prom- or standing on the promises of Christ my King. We're standing on the promises of God. Isn't that right? We, we stand on those. When the times of doubt come, we, we don't rest on our thoughts and our imaginations. We're, we stand on the promises of God because they're the ones that are secure. They're the ones that are secure. So we remember the gospel. We remember that Christ has risen from the dead, but also we remember the promise that God has given. Well, what else do we remember? What else do we remember? Well, we want to remember the word of God. We want to remember the word of God. Paul is languishing in prison here. He's bound in chains and it's not exactly a fantastic advertisement for Christianity, is it? You know, come to Christ and end up in jail. It's not a great one. Um, but Paul's reminding Timothy that the word of God brings life. It's, it's not bound like Paul is. It's not in chains. And, and Timothy's meant to bring the word of God. He's meant to give people the word of God. And it cannot be chained. Um, there's been people down through the ages who have, who have known this. One of these is, is this guy, Martin Luther, a key guy in the, in the Reformation. And he was uh, instrumental in, in pointing out the false teaching. Uh, but what did he do? What did he do? He didn't start a social action. He didn't wheel down to Westminster or, or Wittenberg uh, with a bunch of placards, although he did nail something to the door. Um, well, here's, here's, how, here's his view on the, the Word of God. He said, I, I opposed indulgences uh, and the Pope, but never by force. I simply taught, preached, wrote God's Word. Otherwise, I did nothing. He said, it didn't matter what he was doing whether he slept, ate, or drank, I did nothing, the Word did it all. The Word of God is not bound. Luther was so confident in the Word of God that it would be one that would be challenging people, that he was content when he was sleeping, that the Word was there doing its work. The Word was there doing its work. He knew that there was more power in the words of God than anything he did. And so it is today that we are to remember that as God works through his word, maybe you've had a chance to speak a, a word or bring a, a verse or, uh, to someone in, in work or, or your neighbor and say, look, this is, this is what God says. You know, and, and all the things that you could say you know, are, 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 are great, I'm sure. But here, the word of God, the, the word of God is important. It, it's not bound. It's not bound. Now, we, we can think about lots of countries where uh, the word of God is banned. I can think of uh, uh, Sri Lanka, where you're not allowed to bring one in. Uh, you, know, you, you have to hand it in at customs. Uh, there's different places where you're not allowed a Bible and they're smuggled in. Uh, and we can think of, uh, of those places where little snippets of the word of God go in. And it could be a word here, a word there, little snippets of the word of God, and it's not bound. doesn't matter if you're locked up somewhere the word of god is working it's not bound whether you've shared it with folks whether you um whether you share it with folks in in work whether you you share it with with fellow christians we, we might want to encourage each other don't we and the word of god works through us it's not bound we remember the word and it stands forever 
1 Peter chapter 1, verses 24, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The, the grass withers and the flower fields, but the word of the Lord remains forever. We're to remember that it's God's word. God's word lasts forever and it's God's word that does the work, doesn't it? Isn't it? Working through the spirit and it brings life. What else are we to remember? Lastly, we're to remember uh, the gospel. We're to remember God's word. But lastly, we're to remember that he is faithful. Paul keeps on going. Why? Why does Paul keep on going? Does it all depend on him? Well, no, it depends on God. Verse 10, we get, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And we get that little uh, trustworthy saying there. Paul endures everything for the elect. Now, who or what is the elect? It's simply the ones whom will at the end of time be saved. The ones whom are saved. Do we know who they are? No, I can't tell you. I can't tell you who they are. That's why we preach the gospel to everyone. It's not like, well, you're going to reject the gospel, so I can't tell you it. No, we, we tell everybody the gospel. We tell, it's an open t- invitation to everyone. But Paul endures everything. God ordains both the ends and the means. He ordains the ends and the means. And as we do that, we remember that God is faithful. That God is faithful. And as we trustworthy saying, we say, if we die with him, we also live with him. But when have we, when have we died with him? Some commentators pointed to, towards baptism. Others would say about the daily uh, dying, the daily dying of self uh, to, to, to follow him. And we, if we die with him, then we, we live with him because we live with him because we're living in continual hope. It's present right now. It's not that we're waiting to live with him. We live with him now. We know Christ. We know the, the hope of glory. But what else do we do? We need to endure. Paul uses that word to endure everything. If we endure to the end, if we endure to the end, we will reign with him. We will reign with him. That's something to look forward to, to be reigning with Christ. It's not that we become God. It's not that we become God. Let's make that clear. But we're to, if we endure, we will reign with him. But then there comes a caution. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That has echoes of the words of Jesus in, in Matthew 10, verses 32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. This is talking about those who, in the end, completely walk away from Christ, who want nothing more to do with them. This is not like the Apostle Peter, who, you know, who, who knew Jesus uh, and denied Jesus, but then realized his error and came back. This, this is open, high-handed rebellion of people who just walk away. Look, the stakes were high here. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Who on earth would want to deny the creator of the universe? Those are high stakes. We recognize that God is faithful. We do not want to deny him. We do not want to deny him. And yet, even if we are faithless, like verse 13, much like Peter, God is still faithful. His character does not change. Has has an encouragement to us, isn't it? That even when we're unfaithful, when when we... mess up when we sin 
when we don't do what is right, that God is still faithful. God is still faithful. That's his character. He will not deny himself. Even if we are faithless, he remains faithful. It's never God that walks away, is it? He is the one who is faithful. So here's the question as we finish up. What will you remember? Will you remember the gospel, the power of the resurrection, the hope there of the promise that God is continually working? Will you remember his word? Will you hide your word in his heart that you may not sin against him? Would you remember that the word is working? Those, those words that you get to, to say to neighbors, to work colleagues, whatever it is, it's the word that does the work. Will you remember the faithfulness of God in his, in his plan to redeem us? The faithfulness of God is continual, isn't it? He does not change. He does not change. In everything, he is faithful. Even when we are a complete disaster, he is faithful. He is faithful and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you don't know Christ today, if you don't know him, he is faithful. If you come to him, if you ask for forgiveness of sins, he says he won't turn you away. He is faithful. He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. There's, I'm sure, people who attend the church that you can contact that can point you to Jesus, can point you to the one who is faithful, one who is promised, and one who brings hope. I trust that that's been helpful this morning as we think about these things, as we remember uh, the, the goodness of God in Christ Jesus towards us.